Hello and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume one, issue 14, where we shall be reflecting upon 2011. Uh, it's a less formal podcast this week as Tony and I, that's Leon Cox, discuss the video gaming year that has just passed, uh, both in general and more personal terms. As we speak, it is the 12th night and the sticky New Year's empties have been taken to the bottle bank. The decorations must come down if they haven't already. Uh, Tony, have yours been... Mine, mine came down on the 1st of July. 1st July? of July? July, that would be nice to know, the 1st of January. <laughs> it, was, wow. um, you know, it was after a very late night on, on you know, New Year's Eve, and yeah. I, I came back and I looked at these decorations and they gave me a headache, mm. so I, I took them down. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people go for New Year's Day or the day after, but actually you do have until uh, the 5th, I think it is, um, you know, before it's bad luck or whatever, not that that means much. <laughs> As I've sort of come down in stages over the last three days, they are now gone. Um, yeah, it's sort of sad because I had a, a string of uh, coloured lights over my game shelves and it, it did look really nice. And uh, <laughs> it actually was reminiscent of the arcades of the 80s with their rope lights and things like that. So I You're going to get some blue neons. Yeah, I almost thought about keeping them up just because, you know, why, why do, why do coloured lights have to mean... Christmas. Why can't they just mean this is my game? Show? But aren't you in that bachelor pad at that point? If you start sticking neon lights around your apartment, you're just a little. I don't know. True, but you know the games room as man cave is. That is true. Is st- I, I once saw a um, a Bioshock Two um, neon sign on eBay, and it was like forty pounds, and I I came close. Oh. I did come very close to buying it, and it flickered as well. In in the sense of like it's slightly old and wearing oh, it was orange glow. I probably should have got it thinking about that now. That was very but, um, cool. Yeah, the biggest thing for me is when you take down the – well, for me, I take down the Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've managed to find this big space for this Christmas tree for well, pretty much what three or four weeks. And all of a sudden it's gone. And I can't work out whether I want to just buy a plant and put it there right. or whether I should reclaim the space. But um, Connect wins in this instance. <laughs> uh, it's, the only, the sp- it's the only yeah. situation in which Connect wins. Oh. Oh. One day, One, you never know. There may be a Connect show. One day, <laughs> yeah, could do. Yeah, actually, I do quite, I quite fancy having a go on um, Connect Sports season two. I hear very good things about that. Next time, sir. Next time. Yeah, um, yeah. We considered getting a, a real tree, but uh, then we remembered we've got Hurley the cat who who would have yeah he would have yeah. just destroyed it and himself probably somehow. So, and we just went for the general tinsel and coloured lights out of reach of felines. You have a good Christmas, sir. Yeah, it was fine, thanks. Yeah, nothing particularly spectacular to report. Um, got spoiled, you know. Bought a lot of nice presents. Saw some friends and family, which was pleasant. Although, you know, by the end of that period, I, I tend to actually be quite pleased that the sort of commitments are over, and I can get back to being a selfish recluse. <laughs> what about you? Oh, see, I'm the other way around. I, it's one of the few times in the year I get pretty much two weeks off. So it's it was you know do the commitments of see family and you know smile and nod and ha uh-huh, and then just ten days of straight gaming and uh, beautiful. Good God, if I could do that. I, although I do understand now why you know people who you know aren't fortunate or unfortunate enough to work, I guess, uh, spend um, a lot of a lot of time at home and they say, well, I don't really game during the day. I can kind of understand on the tenth mm. day why that is because you're like, geez, my eyes are bleeding. <laughs> Too much gaming. Well, this, uh, this, could be Skyrim. This, this actually rolls into the first thing we were going to talk about today because mm. I wanted to talk about the year I've had of gaming and the fact that I've completed more games in the last 12 months than probably the previous sort of three or four years put together, maybe Good more. For you, yeah. And obviously one of the first things to say is that 
I, I do no longer work full time as of a couple of years ago. I reduced my hours um, at some expense, it should be said. And it mm. was for reasons of mental health. Listeners of previous podcasts of mine may be aware of this. Plenty of you new cane and rinses may not, but uh, I had a really bad time at work a few years ago and uh, it led to serious depression. And I had to make some changes to my lifestyle. So I, I quit drinking completely. Um, I was spending like 37 hours a week at work plus uh hour and a half a day commuting. Um, and then at the end of the working day, most of most working days, I would go straight to the pub and then I would stay there for the evening pretty much, um, which wasn't conducive to gaming. Uh, throughout this time, I managed to keep up my uh, buying of games, but I ended up with a ridiculous backlog, which I'm still <laughs> slowly <laughs> working my way through. Uh, I did used to play handhelds in, in the pub, um, and there was a Wi-Fi connection there. I was friendly with a landlord, and I used to play Mario Kart online and things like that. How did that go down? Is it, I mean, I, I can't say I've ever been in a pub where I've seen anybody with any kind of handheld device. Was it a general interest? Yeah, well, uh, there were a few times where uh, me and a few regulars all had DSs, and we were playing Bomberman across the like we were all sat around the bar and playing Bomberman and stuff. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> Mind you, I was saying that of late I've been playing ball games in pubs. So Yeah, it's no different. You know, really. I know the looks. <laughs> yeah, and obviously these days, this is, you know, I'm going back to the mid-2000s here and, and yeah, that sort of period. This is pre uh, the iOS revolution. Mm. Nowadays, I expect you've got people playing games in pubs a lot. Uh, obviously, wow. arguably, people are in pubs less now. Um the culture was was quite different then um, around here. Maybe I'm just less of aware aware of it as I've extricated myself from that. But um, it was not unusual to you know go and sit in the pub after work many evenings a week. Smoking was still allowed, and uh, God, it was great. But <laughs> it took its toll uh, on health and pocket. Um, and so I, yeah, I kind of completely changed my lifestyle over, over a period, reduced my working hours, um, because uh, it's, it's, it's hard for me to express sort of just how much I hated my job. Uh, it's, 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 it was, it was more than, it's more than just, oh no, not another working day. It's like, it was actually making me Ill. dread. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I had to change things. Uh, it's 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 obviously it's a difficult time to get another job. There aren't that many employers in Brighton. There were the opportunities of probably going to a different office and doing something similar, but for less money and blah blah blah. So when I uh, when I first joined uh, Gamerdork podcast, um, I started to sort of realise that I did want to commit more time to all things gaming, um, not just you know not just the playing, but the whole thing creating know? yeah yeah um and so i did and yeah i eventually reduced my hours by two days a week and so i am now in the very fortunate position of being able to you know play a good chunk i get a four-day weekend every week i work three days and um obviously you know i have other things i do other things i have other interests but i do get to do a larger amount of gaming than i know a lot of people who listen to this podcast will be able to and and i'm completely aware of that but as i say it wasn't without sacrifice completely gave up alcohol and money uh, quite a lot of money you know two-fifths of my income basically um but with gaming getting cheaper and cheaper as well and also a number of extremely kind friends uh, who have lent me games both you know such as ben ford uh who lends lends me them face to face but also other people like carl and 
uh, oh, several others who have sent me things through the post. Um, my girlfriend occasionally treats me to a game and I've not had any problems really keeping up with playing the games that I want to play. And in fact, acquiring games hand over fist nowadays, you know, even just being a member of PSN Plus, like this week, I, uh, yesterday, I downloaded a whole bunch of games, the new freebies this month on, if I, if I never had any more money, I would still be able to, I would have <laughs> enough, I would be able to game, you know, and even if you just a, take my backlog, that would last me forever. So. That's a really interesting thought, isn't it? That if you cut a year of gaming out, i.e. just, you know, not uh, take any notice of what 2012 mm. was. Would you have enough in your backlog to to see you through? I, I think oh. pretty much. I mean, obviously you would, but I, I think yeah. the general populace or the people that listen to this podcast probably could just play their backlog for an entire year. They probably wouldn't feel ultimately happy about it, looking at all the conversations of people enjoying Mass Effect 3 or you know, whatever the, the great game is to be next. But yeah, I think we all have that. that will Depending to, upon to your tastes. Stuff. I mean, mm. if, you like, if you like an online shooter or a football game or anything with a that's high score based you can play it for a year and there's plenty of people who a do fighting game i i know plenty of people that just played uh, modern warfare exactly uh, for the entirety and uh, you know it's Not, yeah me myself i played pretty much um world of warcraft for 18 months by you know annoying yeah, exactly. pretty much every other single game so i'm not saying it can't be done but for someone like us who mm. like to dip into a lot of the new uh, yeah. games that come out in the year I yeah think, which know, is which is something else experiment. we're going to be talking about um mm. Yeah, and uh, so that over the last twelve months, obviously, uh, you know, I was busy with uh, my previous podcast and blog. I've been busy helping found this. It's been an odd year. Yeah, with <laughs> yeah, uh, setting up this cane and rinse thing. Obviously, Jay did most of the sort of technical legwork. Yeah, um, he made us look good. <laughs> he certainly does. Uh, but uh, but it was basically it was my brainchild, and you know, I came up with the concept and the name and all that stuff. It takes hours of very hard thinking. <laughs> but, I don't know the arguments around the name went for for a little while, but yeah, hey, we got uh, there in the end. But yeah, I completed somewhere between fifty-five and sixty games. Um, and what I wanted to talk about a bit is how important is it to finish games? Um, now, obviously, for, from a cane and rinse point of view, we only talk about games that we finished because I think that's quite important. I think it is, yeah. Uh, however, I also wanted to explore. There may be slightly unconventional and controversial viewpoint that maybe it's not good to finish games in that you're more likely to get jaded. The thing is about a lot of titles is they are, we know now that developers front load games with the best content for obvious reasons. A lot, a lot of times the best stuff is near the front and the later levels may be repetitive or weaker or have had less development time spent on them. Um, you know, we know plenty of people such as the aforementioned Ben who work many hours, yourself as well. I mean, you mm. know, I don't know how you find the time to, to play the games that you do, but... Understanding wife, that's called. <laughs> understanding wife obviously helps. Um, but I used to be like this when, when I was way more active socially, was buying games, leaving them on the shelf, starting them, you know, maybe in a year's time, playing things, get, rushing home with an, a, a new game, all excited, starting it and then not getting to play it anymore. But whereas over the last year I've played, you know, played through, admittedly across many different genres and formats, I've also, I have played through like a lot of first-person shooters. And maybe because I've played so many levels and, you know, we've seen over the years, you know, there's only 
so much you can do with environments and enemies, or seemingly there is, and not make it completely uh, impenetrable. Um, I've probably sort of done the same thing quite a lot over and over again. Now, it's pleasurable, sure, um, when the game's good, but is there actually something... Do, do people get less jaded if they if they if they're still constantly excited because they've got all these unfinished gems, these things they've only just started? I don't know. I don't. I, I mean, it's it's a weird question. Well, I don't mean to rephrase that. It's not actually a weird question, but I, I think there is a a jaded element to people that try everything and play a lot. Mm. Um, because ultimately, yeah, I mean, it, it, it works in any way in life. You know, if you see more of something, the general feeling is that you've kind of seen it all um but then i would argue that the moments that you've seen something different and you've had the aspect of seeing all this other stuff and that stands out that's that's almost more impressive than anything it gives you the bigger high probably than the guys that are just trying one or two things or maybe they get the high every time it's hard to put myself in the shoes of someone because i haven't done that in years Mm. um i don't don't know i mean it's weird because i mean my wife Liz, she she plays. I mean, she plays a lot. I mean, she plays a lot of WoW. Mm-hmm. Um, but of recent, she's been working her way through the entirety of the Lego back catalogue. Wow. Um, you know, and I think everyone thinks, oh, Lego games are really easy. Like, what they are, but they're also really long. She, I mean, she's unfortunately she's picked up some of my traits um, of wanting to get achievements <laughs> in games, and um, you know, she goes out for the thousand points in those games, and yeah, she can spend thirty five hours mm. plus on these Lego games. Yet she seems to come back from more. And mm. what the, the whole point of this is that it, it's strange to see her talk about these games because she has this um, appreciation of how much they've changed yeah. since the first original Lego Star Wars game yeah. up until the, the current Harry, oh, Potter. Uh, Harry Potter mm. years five to seven. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's massive differences between them. And that's only in, within this generation. So I think an eye well, having a big catalogue of stuff you've completed Mm. Isn't necessarily a, a bad thing or a jaded thing. I, I think it, it, if anything, it gives you more of an appreciation for the stuff that is really stellar. Something like uh, playing WoW every night or the Lego games. That's that very much strikes me as kind of comfort gaming, and not, I don't mean that in a negative pejorative no, way no, whatsoever. But as in, even though the Lego games have iterated upon themselves, you know, and the teams changed. I noticed that when I saw an interview with the the head guy on Harry Potter. And um, it's not the same guy as it used to be who was running those games a few years ago now. So obviously the, the team's changed. You know, they've learned a lot from their previous projects and, and, and whatever. And I completely understand that to somebody who's played all those games, they will be far more aware of the little tweaks and improvements, the same way as I would be with a Street Fighter update or a FIFA update. You know, it's, mm-hmm. like, oh, they've just changed the names and, you know stuck it on a disc again no not at all you know there's there's hundreds of thousands of hours of design gone into even these small tweaks because otherwise you know they would break the game and people would argue that they have and yeah, quite often they do of course. Like it anyway. uh, but you know what i mean it's not quite the same as um yeah what <clears throat> what i've done which is uh, although i have played several like i realized i've played through quite a few first person shooters in this last year i played through wolfenstein and crisis 2 and singularity and Call of Duty Black Ops and blah, blah, blah. And again, you know, we know as educated gamers that they're all quite different in the way they feel and play and look and perform and whatever. But also I am aware that even though, like, yeah, in Singularity I was 
spending time and in crisis I was going invisible and stuff. I am aware that I have spent a, you know a huge amount of time just you know looking for enemies popping over cover and shooting them in the head with whatever gun I'm <laughs> but holding. There's only so many things you can do in the first person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and yeah, I'm not bored of them. I'm not bored of like the, it's not well, that I don't want to play anymore. And I'm certainly playing still playing Battlefield Three and Killzone Three online. But I mean, this this comes into the whole aspect where a lot of people have already proclaimed that this hasn't been the greatest year. I've heard you know contradictions, but there is a number of people that say this has been a a pretty placid year in comparison to the years that have gone past. Mm. I mean, is that kind of what we're getting to? That people may you know, I mean, this could even be a a question of have the consoles reached the end of their life cycles? Do we need something a little bit more just to change up, uh, you know, how things look or how they. Yeah, I, it's not just down to the graphics that mm. new consoles bring. It's down to processing power, and um, you know, well, if you know. look at something like Half Life Two comparatively to Half Life yeah. One, you know, it brought physics into the game, mm. and that was a huge improvement. Yeah. Like, do you just think it, it's coming down to that? That I think that's part of it. Uh, certainly, um, there is. There comes a point where you can only do so much with the power of the machine that you've got, and we've seen a lot of the stuff now that that we were initially wowed by even you know going back to the ai and physics on display in say halo combat evolved um we now expect you know certain things of our games that that are as standard but it's difficult or impossible for developers to take it on to the next level without simply more processing power or more graphical oomph um, or, is it, or even the money. I mean, it, 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 people always forget yeah. this is an industry where you know developers have to make money. I, I kind of feel like this year that every developer has their assets, and you know they're going to work within that budget and just kind of produce that stuff and throw it out there. I mean, there, there, there's always standout titles. I mean, I I was about to say um, Dark Souls or is it which one's it? Demons. Dark, Dark Souls. Yes, this, yeah, this uh, year. Last year. Um, last yeah, year. That's Demons. actually. Yeah. Uh, an interesting case in that it's not actually a sequel, but it is definitely a, a follow-up, a spiritual successor, if you will. Yeah, which, I mean, some people would argue, obviously, that was very different when it came out last year. Um, but it's spiritual successor, you know, it, it, by the sounds of it, it was very similar in certainly asset-wise. And it feels like they just try to, you know, fix some of the problems that people had and, and create a new hub. It's a hard one because I haven't actually played it, but I, I've mm. heard so many people talk about it that you, I think developers just want to work within their budgets at the moment. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a, and and obviously from the from Uncharted the sh- probably would have been a better one. <laughs> the, yeah, um. Uncharted. Well, this, from the shareholders' point of view, I've, obviously we know it's uh, you know when when the development of these you know high budget games is so very risky. We're also in a you know financially unstable time uh-huh. globally, and but uh, I sort of compiled a list earlier based on games that I've played or wanted to play that came out in the last uh, twelve months in two thousand eleven came up with uh, 36 sequels and 30 original games. But the the key thing is, apart from a few exceptions, most of the original games, unsurprisingly perhaps, were not on discs. They were downloadable games for iOS and for XBLA, PSN, mm-hmm. um, because that's where the... that's. It's it's safer to to take risks there, lower budget and the and the indie market as well, you know, frozen signups and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, I mean, I had a good long thought about what were the the new IPs that we've yeah. had this year. Um, you know, outside of the the arcade zone, um, or you know, the the indie zone. Um, I think that there's been some successes. Something like I mean, Bulletstorm mm-hmm. seems to go down pretty well. I mean, it's pretty much it is a new IP, although it has traits of kind of epic over it, but. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's like it's Rage. Bright, it's I, I, I grudgingly included Rage as a new IP, even though it's basically, you know, it doing it things. Uh, but there's, I'm I'm looking at all these different. I mean, to me, there's there's not been a huge amount of new IPs. I mean, unfortunately, I, I don't play enough in in the um, How and How marker. It, uh, so it's, I mean, stuff like Ghost Trick like completely passes me by. Yeah, it's a good point. That's not on my list. It should be. Um, it's coming to iOS. But if I'm looking at big games this year, stuff like Homefront was pretty much, you know, it was all hype and, and very mm, little it's bite not on to my it. list because I neither wanted to play it nor nor did I. Brink as well. It's another one. Brink, yeah. Um, Hopefully, we'll never see either of those again. <laughs> but they're they're full of ideas, but they just didn't land very well. Um, you know, Shadows of the Damned. Yeah. I've already said my piece on that. Mm. <laughs> um, L.A. Noire yeah. is obviously a big one. Uh, yeah, which is a debate within that game in itself because you know, I, I've, had, I've heard so many contradictions and opinions on that. You know, a few of my friends have actually put that down as their game of the year. Um, some people yeah, thought I've heard it was it, absolute toy. Yeah, the worst game of the year. Mm. Um, but I think it was probably a success. Um, Dead so, Island, yeah, Dead Island, El Shaddai, which you know these are well, El Shaddai will never see a sequel to. I wouldn't have thought Dead no. Island. You might, might well. I think it probably did enough. Alice Madness Returns. Well, that's not Still, that's not an original, that's not an original it. game. But yeah, I'm surprised it came back out and it's like a an, as an IP. It's probably the one and only time you'll see it for a while on, again. I put that on a little sub list of right. six games, which is fresh sequels. So these are games which technically are follow-ups or sequels, successors, but didn't feel stale. Those ones. I've got Alice Madness Returns, and I, I must admit, I never played American McGee's Alice. Um, apparently it was good, but had control issues. Yeah, uh, I, I don't Blob think it's two, quite so good now. Because the original came out three or four years ago on the Wii, and not many people played it, and the sequel also did quite a lot more and didn't have pointless waggle controls. Child of Eden, which is the spiritual successor to Res. Mm -hmm. uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn, which is kind of a Kirby Gaiden, if you will. Um, Dark Souls and Rayman Origins, which is definitely a Rayman sequel, but it... Very different. Felt so delightfully fresh, yeah. Mm. So, but I think if you, you know, anybody listens there, I mean, there's nothing, I mean, I've died, outside of your list, because I think there's some interesting games within that, but as a new, new IP, I don't think there was anything that blew anybody away... Arguably Xenoblade Chronicles. Maybe, yes. Critically. A lot of people haven't played it. I haven't played it yet. I bought it on launch day for 40 quid. It's now 10 quid in game. Um, everyone I know who's played it says it's absolutely fantastic. Um, El Shaddai, you know, Sean Bell's game of the year. True, but I've seen equal amount of it was terrible. Probably people who <laughs> no, gave up on it too um, early. Our own uh, Josh. He, he reviewed it for the site, didn't he? And said it was, yeah, it was middling. Yeah. And what about <laughs> so, in the indie arena then, new IPs that did blow people away? All right, hang on, downloadables. Uh, yeah, Renegade Ops. Yep. Outland. Great mm -hmm. games. Bastion. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's that's gone on top of people's lists. So. Yeah, I mean, that's winning awards hand over fist, and rightly so. Um, insanely Twisted Shadow Planet, maybe. Uh, but also... On thinking sort of more PC, um, PC, we had Magicka, that's very well received. Uh, Rock of Ages, also on XBLA. Uh, Rochard, Stacking, um, Terraria. These are all interesting games. Bl uh, Binding of Isaac, of course. Mm -hmm. um, we had Escape Vector on WiiWare, which of course virtually no one will have played. Um, you know, we had uh, Nick on the show, and uh, he, a charming character, and made a brilliant game, but uh, I didn't even want to play it. Another one, 
This this one people really ought to have played but won't have done is um, a game called Moto Heroes on the Wii. And who's it by? It's by Red Links. It's basically a trial oh, sequel yeah. that no one's played because it's on the Wii. You know, it's it's which seems crazy to me. Um, well, yeah, but then you're asking for everybody to have every console. Well, you know, for me, I actually I feel the constant pressure of not owning a a gaming PC or capable gaming PC mm. um, because the the stuff that comes out on Steam. In fact, I I heard a podcast recently talking about all the stuff that's come out on Steam, and a lot of it has actually come from the Xbox Live Indie Game Arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, none of, oh, so many game names just pop off my head. Sequence is one that springs to mind, and, which is and, the sort of dancing uh, puzzle game. And have come off that that area and and gone on to Steam to to do gangbusters and and yeah. to hit like headline titles. Yet mm. it seems to be an area that Microsoft still doesn't seem to tap into. They've, like, actually, all these, uh, they've actually made a few changes. They have, yeah, today, up so the file sizes yeah. and, and price-wise. But, it, I mean, they, they should be pushing that stuff to the front. I mean, I, mm. don't, I, I hate to think it is, it's just as, um, just comes down to, well, they don't have achievements. Um, but maybe I it's, think for it's, some people it does. Well, you know, I, I will hold my hands up. That's, that's one of the reasons why I don't overly explore in there. But it, it actually comes down to more of a sorting issue within that. That service, but yeah, and also well, now you've got to find also, it. So it's the amount of games and time. I mean, I have a reasonable yep. collection of indie stuff, but there just comes a point where you have to make sacrifices, as it were, which is you know something else we're we're going to I, talk about. I have found myself this year though, um, with the arcade channel at the very least and, and the PSN store, I have blocked blocked out a lot of games. I, I, I don't know. There's just, there seems to be less fanfare about that stuff, um, and there's so many other games on my shelf. It seems to be, you know, I don't. I used to look in there every single day, uh, and now it's it's as and when you know a good game is kind of pronounced on Twitter mm. or whatever, and it kind of floats to the top. I mean, I haven't tried a lot of. The, I used to try every single arcade game, but there, there seems oh, to no. be like three a week uh, that come out now. Yeah, I don't do that, but I do keep on top of the the big releases by and large. I mean, they don't tend to announce them until quite late, but I do boot up both the uh, both consoles on a Wednesday afternoon to see what's come out. Um, <laughs> and shopping. Off. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, I you know I counted up my um games sort of purchased and acquired throughout 2011 and well over half were digital purchases which is obviously a sign of where we're going but of those most of them were downloadable titles in the traditional sense not in not in the on-demand sense or 47.99 for red uh, red faction or whatever it was um, (laughs) red faction whatever that was yeah but um what what i actually think has happened a little bit with the new ip situation is um, if you remember the writer's strike, it, it wasn't the instantaneous effect of the writer's strike that caused problems within the film industry. Mm. It was a year or two after. There's yeah. all these things in productions, you know, and you were getting some really terrible films that were, were hitting at that point. And I kind of I feel like the, you know, I know you can blame everything on the economic squeeze, but it does have uh, an effect on these companies. Of and course. It, it does feel like a lot of companies went, well, you know, we have these big IPs and they're proven sellers. Let's just... I think iterate's a horrible word, but it, it fits within this. Let's iterate on each one of these titles, um, which we pre- pretty much can be guaranteed. Um, so it was, it was interesting to see other other firms take some bigger risks. But the, the big AAA new IP titles this year were pretty much slim pickings. And the ones that did come out yeah. tended to fail. So maybe they were proven right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting that even some of the games that were only on number two this year, Dead Space, Crisis, Infamous, Little Big Planet, Portal, Witcher, Batman. They seemed relatively fresh compared to, you know, Gears, Battlefield, Modern Warfare, yeah. Killzone, Uncharted, Saints Row, Top Spin, Forza, 
even Skyrim, you know, it's number five in a series, or, or, albeit a series that span over 16 years or something. But uh, Driver was number five in that series, effectively. Uh, but, I, but I think yeah, if you're not looking at downloadable titles, most people's top tens will be made up, up of um, you know sequels this year. There are many that you already mentioned and, and a few mm. in between. Yes, if you take and maybe out, it is every yeah. year. Maybe we're just being overly sensitive this year, but it, it feels like there was a glut of sequels this year more so than than yeah. Any other. And to the point where, as we're saying, not just that it was a high number of sequels, but that because they were made on the same generation of machines as the previous one or two games in the series, that they haven't been able to do. Mm-hmm. as much with them they may be the most polished versions and they may look the nicest but it's not that generational leap it's not, well, not like when you first get to play the sequel to your favorite franchise on a new machine where it's like wow yeah and i know a lot of people kind of like they they go oh, we we don't need new machines like we can just work what we have i think what we're finding is the upper limit of these machines are clear i mean you could argue the ps3 still has stuff in it um, but then that has to be just, you know, games that are designed, tends to be just designed for the yeah, PS3. See, I felt that way about the PS3, but then recent uh, events have shown that it has its own limitations that maybe will prevent it from reaching its full potential, i.e. the video RAM issue. <laughs> oh, God. But, um, I mean, there's a prime example for a game that we've already talked about on Kane and Rins, Gears of War 3. Mm. I think if you look at Gears of War 3 in context of that whole franchise, it is the best. Like, it, it the shooting is the best. Um, the com- you know, pretty much every single aspect of that game is better. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it just feels so familiar. Yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with a nice, comfortable pair of slippers. Mm-hmm. I haven't got to that stage in my life yet, but I'm sure a nice, comfortable pair of slippers it is is great. But occasionally, you want to wear that bright red pair of trainers that you, you've got out, and it and it just you know, Gears of War should, could have been that. I think if it was on a new generation of consoles mm. and under a new IP, but I've I've got nothing wrong with games having sequels that's part of the industry and you know i played gears of war probably for the region of 30 to 40 hours Mm. so it's not like i'm not enjoying that game but there there is that tangible feeling like i've been here before um that you don't get on certain games um i had that with pretty much every single sequel this year yeah so my question is to you like I mean, I, you know, I've played a lot of the big sequels as well. Looking down that list, I've, I've played the majority of them and the ones that I haven't, I've got stacked up or they're on my love film list or whatever. <laughs> but what about, you know, actually consciously setting aside time that you may have spent on an iterative sequel to play a completely fresh IP? You know, maybe like uh, the brilliant Where Is My Heart on PlayStation Network. You know, it's it's an amazing game. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to be part of the same sort of community conversation necessarily if you're, if you're spending time playing that or, I don't know, Gatling Gears or whatever. Uh, it's hard because I, I don't think anyone should forego some of these bigger sequels because, I mean, they, they do pre- you know, serve a purpose within the industry and they are fun. I don't think, you know, as many of these sequels I'm looking down, they may not feel like the fresh, freshest things in the world, but they are fun. Um, I think you can be a part of that conversation be, by being the person that just plays slightly offbeat stuff. In, in fact, you know, sometimes those people are the best people to talk to because you, you've tended to already f- formed your opinion of a lot of the stuff that you know everybody else is talking about. 
Mm. So, I mean, I, I, you know, one of the things we hope to do with Kane and in the future is, is bring those titles for the forefront. If people haven't heard of them or played them, that, you know, we can actually slightly step off that, that well-worn track of where a lot of people are at the moment. And that's, that's the general idea, the general ambition, mm. I think. Yeah, I think I do detect a resistance from people, uh, you know, and you see it in cinemas and you see it in the music charts as well to embrace that, which mm-hmm. is not sort of shoved under their noses. Um, because it's easier. It, it, do you actually think it just comes down to it's just easier? Less effort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that is it. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's about the channels which these things are coming through to you by, you know, which channels of the media and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's, it's harder for certain things to get attention, but then because it's harder for them to get attention, they get less attention. You know, it's a vicious well, circle. It, and, and it is weird, isn't it? Because... I mean, if, if we're trying to keep it on track of what's gone on this year, mm. I think looking at the downloadable space over the last few years, we've been saying this is a hugely positive thing for everyone to test out new, new, you know, areas of gameplay and mm. you know graphical styles and stuff. But this year, there, there, it did start to feel a little bit like, oh yeah, this this is an arcade game. Like it almost like the template has now been set to what an arcade game should be mm. like. And and it you know stuff like Bastion comes out, and I think Outland, you know, a number of them out there that that do break outside of that mold and, and they're the ones that stand out. But it's almost like the big companies have now just got, well, we'll turn on our, you know, this game into this kind of arcade game. We know this will sell. Like some of that, it seems to be like there's, there's slightly less risks going on in these services. And that's why yeah. I mean, you know, I think that's kind of already, it's almost kind of like the sub layer, like the indie scene. So the either the indie channel or Xbox or a lot of the stuff on Steam seems to be now the ones that are taking the risk. Like there's, there's now two levels to mm. that. So that eco, well, there's loads of levels to the ecosystem, but within that own system now, I think there's gone to be two levels, like the high-profile arcade games and the slightly lower offbeat ones. Yeah. And I think that's happened over the last year or two. Yeah, uh, but also, although, you know, slightly to contradict what I said before, although I think there is a resistance to sort of discover what's going on, I also think that the breakout of certain games over the last three or four years, you know, going back maybe to Braid and things like that, which did get you know, a lot of attention... I think people, some people of a certain mind are more willing to embrace the the odd sort of side of gaming, mm-hmm. looking at the success of Binding of Isaac and things like that. Um, but it does seem to me that the place, and I realise the price and format plays a part in this, but the place to launch new IP successfully is uh, iOS. If you look at some mm-hmm. of the most successful games critically and commercially on there, Jetpack Joyride, Tiny Wings, Cut the Rope, Where's My Water, they're all new IPs. They've all sold millions, as far as I know. Certainly many, many hundreds of Did thousands. Did you see the story about um, Angry Birds over Christmas? Well, Angry Birds sold six million copies on Christmas Day, was it? On or Christmas Day, yeah. Was it, was it six million or 1.6 no, million? No, it was, it was six million on Christmas Day yeah. it sold. I, I it, mean, it was downloaded, so possibly I, not sold. But, I know. remember when I first played that, and it was this uh, mildly diverting, obscure little You were there at game. the start, man. You were there at the start. I was near the start. <laughs> And uh, and I thought it was okay, a little bit annoying, but um, didn't like the characters much. And now these characters are fucking everywhere. You walk into like department stores, and there's Angry Birds cushions and Angry Birds it's, plushy toys. It's, it's quite funny. They they've now released it on disc as well, so it's actually in the charts. Oh, okay, right. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's still coming. I think it's still due to come to WiiWare and various other you know platforms that you wouldn't necessarily expect. I played it on my Windows Phone. So it does yeah. have achievements now. Yeah, it's extraordinary. I assume it is now the most successful video game of all time in terms of units 
uh, in people's hands. You know, actually. but see, but even that, I mean, you're saying it was a slight edge of snobbery on it. Well, it's because it's uh, it's because it's, it's Angry Birds, yeah. But well, no, I mean, because it's not that good. If it was as good as Cut the Rope or Tiny Wings, even maybe not Tiny Wings. If it was as good as Cut the Rope, I wouldn't have such a problem. But I just don't think Angry Birds is is, is a good enough game to warrant being the most successful video game of all time. It's it's hard because I mean I I've, I've dabbled in Angry Birds. I'm I'm hardly an expert, but you know our friend Paul, you know Plex Shaw, um, he he I mean, he he's played that pretty much religiously for a, about a month, <laughs> and uh, him and he, I've seen some of the later levels, and they are you know blinking hard. Oh yeah, it's not that it's easy. It's that it's a bit trial and error. Um, is is my problem. It's just that it, the, the problem with it is is that it's very much each level, rather than it being an interesting sort of uh, exploration of trajectory and physics, it's it's kind of that disguised as a very rigid puzzle game. I mean, if, if you're talking about the ecosystem of of new IP, I, I mean, I think it's easy to bring new IP to a platform like that. One, it's relatively um, cheap to produce. I say relatively. Um, mm. That so the risk reward is a lot, yeah, a lot better. I mean, you can be just a one man band and produce something and make your millions, which is something that has dissipated. But from for industry. every cut the rope or tiny wings, there's probably you know, 15, 20, 300 titles going completely getting buried and unnoticed. True, but then there's more, I mean, there's a chance, and there's more variety in, in stuff that's going to be there. I mean, we're, we, do, we do live in an industry now where you know, safe is key. Um, you know, a lot of people would, would, would argue, you know, Shadows of the Damned, how did that fail? But I, I'm, I remember playing it and you know, outside of what I feel about the title, just thinking like, how do you commercially, you know, get this out to a wider audience? I don't know. I, I don't think one, it was a game that was particularly made for. It didn't feel like it was a game made particularly for a wider audience. But you're looking at EA and saying, well, you know, you should be, you know, getting this and pimping this. But, you know, what are they going to do? Stick it on the side of buses or, or what? Like, you know, that stuff just seems to be reserved for modern warfare titles um i, I guess my <laughs> my point being um is that <laughs> i've seen so many arguments with the ios debate like well it's just you know you just do the most simplest things but just because that's that's the state of what that platform is at the moment doesn't mean you can do the most extraordinary things with the simplest things i mean we all grew up in the 8-bit era where it was basically two buttons on the control pad one button we, one button well it's just true yeah can, you know, one <laughs> button on the joystick Two buttons was uh, I was going to exotic. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. But um, so like yeah, you know, t- I think touchscreen just to come up, uh, stuff has come on leaps and bounds, and people are moving away from you know using sticks on screens and stuff. And I think yeah. if you look at um, Tiny Wings as a prime example, like you just tap the screen. Yeah, I've seen that on people's games a year list. You know, I'm I, I know you're not a huge fan of Jetpot, Jetpack Joyride, but I really enjoy playing Jetpack Joyride mm. and put about I've five or six Tiny hours. Wings, but, uh, yeah, I can I can yeah I can I can see it. But maybe that's a conversation for another day because it's it's huge about the iOS scene and but mm. it's whether people like it or not it's it's growing and you know Apple you know seems to be the dominant place the iOS platform and five billion it's apps have been downloaded so interesting actually that uh, at where I work in my office uh, where there's a certain demographic demographic of young to young middle aged uh, woman um, <laughs> where they were talking about you know, uh, who you would not consider to be enthusiast gamers. Uh, these were the people who were talking about Wii Fit 
and brain training a few years ago, and now mm-hmm. now they're all playing on their iPads. It it is amazing my um to see my sister in law. I mean, I always judge my sister in law for the the kind of what I'd call the the here and now gaming of that you know of that kind of older woman generation because she she tends to just follow these trends. Like she was a Wii uh, buyer, and then she did buy Wii Fit, and you mm. can kind of track it. And yeah. you know, she is all over um flight control. Yeah. And she never got into the farm field stuff, but um, she, I mean, she, she this year more so than ever. She, I mean, she, I think she brought an iPod Touch just to buy uh, stuff, and I mean, that's that's pretty much just buying a gaming unit. That she doesn't use it for anything else. She just she right. bought it for gaming. <laughs> so I mean, to argue that it's not a gaming platform, it you know, people are going out there and buying this stuff, and that's an expensive gap. Well, that's an expensive gadget, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's and it and it comes. To, it's the same argument as uh, sort of PC gamers um, talking about. You know, where you you may have to spend a little bit more on the machine, but the game when you know when you when you get games on the Steam sale, you you're saving you know thirty quid a time on your console purchases, and it's a similar thing on with iOS. So you know you might spend three hundred pounds on the latest iPod Touch rather than one hundred and thirty pounds on a DS Lite or DSi or whatever, three DS even. Um, but you're not going to be spending thirty pounds a game. You're going to be sixty nine p. So incredible. Mind you, I'd say I'd. This happens. It's not this year exclusive thing, but the price of games in in shops in the UK is getting ridiculous. You know, yes. two or three weeks down the line, it's Every, know, even the stuff, even stuff like um, Call of Duty, which has a traditional, you know, it will stay yeah. at forty pounds for pretty much eight months. I mean, I've seen that now hit the sales, and it's been down to twenty five. So. Pretty much the only games that maintain their value now are first party Nintendo stuff, and mm. probably maybe some of the, maybe like World of Warcraft. I don't know. Does that get not you I mean, pay no, for that you anymore? Buy that cheap as, yeah, it's cheap as chips, <laughs> but now you, you still pay for subscription. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. So yeah, we uh, sort of started this thread. Um, I was talking about completing things and my lifestyle and uh, whether it's important to complete things or not. And the thing I've always found, now, back in, back in the day when I started gaming, people didn't really complete games. Most games weren't, either weren't completable because they were simply, you know, they got harder and harder and harder or they looped or, you know, whatever. Um people coming in and talking about having completed a game in school, there it would be, unless it was something that was known to be fall off a log easy, um, which a lot of things weren't back then, it was sort of hushed tones. It's like, oh my God. And, you know, and people would make up stuff about what happened at the end because they pretty much knew that no one else would see it and maybe they'd not even done it themselves. So, <laughs> excuse me. But um, I didn't read it on the internet anyway. No, exactly. Uh, and I can't really remember the era when I started to expect to complete games, but I think it was the 16-bit console era. I think it was when I started playing... Uh, I, I certainly did complete some stuff on the Amiga, but there were a lot more ridiculously difficult or lengthy games on there. Um, even some of the stuff that you would expect to be completable, like a standard platformer or shooter, tended to be insanely difficult. Uh, in the latter stages, particularly stuff by Team 17 and people like that. Um, I remember starting to complete uh, Japanese shoot-em-ups and platformers on the Mega Drive, and that, I think that was when I sort of started regularly completing stuff, and now games are very much built to be uh, finished most of the time. Obviously, some games aren't really finishable, you know, like FIFA, stuff like that, Street Fighter. You can watch the endings, but you've not finished it. Um but I've always found, ever since I have been completing games regularly, that I have there's a certain elevated level of affection I have for a game that I've completed, even mm-hmm. if 
there's a game that I think is awesome, but I either can't or haven't finished it for some reason. A game that you finished, you feel like you have a certain closeness to and a certain affinity for and a, a certain relationship with that is beyond what you have with a game that, yeah, either pissed you off or you got stuck or bored, obvi- for obvious reasons, you know. Um, and I think it is important to finish games for a couple of reasons. One is that you do need that positive reinforcement uh, to keep you know, to keep your passion for the hobby alive. I think you get, you do get, a, a, even even on an easy game, you get a swell of accomplishment at the end of a game. Even if it doesn't bring a trophy or, a, or a, an achievement with a cat, capital A, you you know that you've done that thing. Even if you do it on easy, which, which you know, is fine in, in, in many cases. Another, ele- another element that it's good to, to finish games is that obviously you have seen the whole story. You know, you you are qualified to comment on it at the point that you finished it. And that was very much, you know, key to the philosophy of Kane and Rince. Yeah, the ethos. Uh, yeah. I don't like to... I, I wouldn't trust a film reviewer who had walked out after halfway of many films, you know. I, was, I went to see uh, It's a Wonderful Life on Christmas Eve. And what people don't tend to remember about that movie is because it's associated with Christmas and feel good factor is that Happy times yeah. it's, it's a pretty bleak movie for the first hour and that's a half. Suicide. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and without that redemption at the end, it's a completely different film. Mm-hmm. It would be like, Oh God, this is really grim. And that, you know, and I think that's, it was, it, it wasn't reviewed well at the time, not because people left early, but because it was so, it was so against their expectations. Um, and it was not what they needed at that that point in American history either. But that's another podcast entirely. Um, but now games maybe you know a lot of games aren't that interestingly written, don't have that much to say. But I still don't feel you can fully comment on the story that the designers are trying to tell if they are trying to tell a story until you've seen the end. Um, and if it's an arcade, even if it's an arcade game, even if you're not talking about a narrative. You're talking about learning how to control the character to the optimum point, to the point where you understand all the mechanics of the game, all the enemy's nuances and quirks. And until that point, you, have, you just haven't seen it all. I'm not saying you can't have any opinion on something, because if, you know, if something's so annoying or so rubbish a third of the way in that you don't want to carry on, then fair enough, that's your opinion. You, you, you shouldn't have to force your way through everything but i think the thing where people tend to start things off and then just drift away and put them down and pick up the new shiny thing is not conducive to loving the hobby and again i want to come back and say that i do appreciate that i am currently in a situation where i do have time to play and finish a lot of games um by design but i mean just step in for a second i mean i we know we have listeners where that I, I like to call it, refer to them as pick and mix. You know, they will play two hours of something, an hour here, an hour of something else. Um, yeah. And and it, I mean, to me, I I do feel slightly you know despair at them because I'm like you're you're missing out. Like these, if you're enjoying something, why would you go and choose to do something else? It, I I never really understood that. Like you know, um, for instance, if someone's enjoying Bulletstorm, you know, why go and play XX Shooter if you know maybe or maybe they just get you know bored or tedious after a while, but. I'm surprised more people don't just stick with games. And, and back to the issue, like, well, you know, a lot of games feel like they lose a little something through the second, you know, latter half of the games. It's because developers know that a lot of people won't get there. Yeah. 
So if more people started finishing games and actually had more comments about, you know, that end of level boss was actually ridiculous, like most games seem to still, you know, thrive under, then they might actually get around to changing that stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I think as a more personal point, yes, completing games is something I've done for many years now. Um, you know, some of that clearly achievement related. I think, you know, some people, they hate it because it kind of highlights that the fact they do only dip in and dip out. Mm. And other people like me, you know, they, they use it as a brad of pride. Mm. Like, they, you know, they've played everything to the, to the max. So, I mean, it's, it's a hard one because I don't want to say anybody's wrong for playing something their own way. No, of course. But I, I think, you know, the ethos of this show is to, to look at a game as a whole. And I, and I think your wonderful knife, life analogy is actually spot on. I mean, you could even say that about Bioshock as well. You mm. know, if, if you just played through the first half of you Bioshock or three quarters. Well, you wouldn't have to do the crappy <laughs> end boss, but you wouldn't get the twist, yeah. and the twist is is you know, a fundamental of the you know, experience of that game. Um, so you may not un- you know quite understand why it's you know, it's on so many people's top games of all time list. So. I think maybe this not meaning this to sound self congratulatory, but I think the reason I've never had a true sort of uh, a, g- a genuinely completely jaded with the entire medium of video games period like i'm not saying that i haven't felt a little bit tired of certain genres or certain game at any point but i've never had one of these you know you see people sort of very theatrically on the internet saying oh i just can't be bothered at the moment oh video games oh they're so boring i mean i i find that weird it's like you know i've i've loved football my whole life since I started loving football, I don't suddenly go, oh, I'm bored of football. I don't suddenly go, oh, I'm bored of food. I'm bored of movies. It's like I don't get bored of video games. There's too much to do. But I think what I do to keep it fresh is that sometimes I just do something completely different. I may just break off from like a run of completing first and third person action games. And I might have a day where I just play MAME, just play old coin-ops on MAME and like just like set a high score on each one or or just play a few credits of something, or go through my XBLA games and, yeah, just uh, do one level of something and a little bit of something else. And then, yeah, it's it's the gaming tapas, the palate cleanser, the sorbet between meals kind of thing. I think that, that can be quite important and but keeps you on, keeps you hungry sort of thing. I mean, it, it is difficult. I mean, this this Christmas, I mean, I, I always pick a RPG um, to play over Christmas because, you know, if I have 10 days off, then, you know, most RPGs are, are fairly lengthy in time and it gives me the most opportunity to get to the yeah. end. Um, so this year I've been playing Skyrim. Um, and I, I'm something like 92 hours mm. at this stage. Um, but that, that's been at pretty much at the buffet of every other game. Yeah. Like I've, I've got this huge pile and I've just sunk, you know, with what would... You could argue the equivalent of gaming nowadays could be 10 other titles. Um, but I've chosen to play one. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if that's a wrong or right thing. I mean, that's well, just you know, a right game for I've, you, isn't it? I mean, that's... Yeah, I've, I've chosen to play. But yeah, you can understand how people get sucked into a single game if they've been enjoying it. But at the same time, like, may, maybe I am slightly wrong of, of not trying all these different games. I mean, I, because I, I've... I played that game in particular. I haven't got around to playing Killzone this year or Dead Space 2 or Resistance 3 or, you know, Dark Souls, although it's just as long. Um, you know, there's a number of games there that, you know, I could have, I probably could have fitted all of those games in, apart from Dark Souls, um, you know, within that time of just playing Skyrim. So maybe I'm slightly at fault wanting to complete that. I, I don't know. No, I don't think. I, yeah, it's not about, we're not saying anyone's at fault or doing anything wrong at all, um, as long as you're enjoying it. And I think um, I think we're just talking about the, the sometimes that people feel like they've been hit by a malaise and maybe 
they're not doing themselves the favor of i don't know approaching it the right way like don't you <laughs> don't you find like after if you like i i played um 60 plus hours of skyrim on ps3 before things happened and it didn't work <laughs> anymore and yes. i've started again on 360 my progress has been slower not because i'm bored of it but because i've been busy in real life um i still love that game i still absolutely intend to go through all the all the quest lines and stuff but sometimes as as brilliant as it is i just need something completely different so i might just play joe danger for an hour like as far away from skyrim as possible instead of epic first person landscapes it's little cutesy characters flying along at 200 miles well, an hour doing stunts. I, I need those sort of palate-cleansing moments. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think Skyrim's a, a, a singular particular case. Um, but I, I generally follow the rule that once I start a game, I'll, I'll see it to the end, and I tend to then just concentrate solely on that mm. one game. That's just something I've done. And, I mean, this, this, I mean, to bring it back on to a little bit this year and, and yeah, more or less of a general topic as, as such... Mm. Um, I mean, this year has been a really odd year for me. Um, all sorts of reasons, obviously, you know, strangeness in podcasting, um, a little, some personal stuff in my own life going on. Um, and I found myself kind of a bit at odds with, with some of the games that come out. Like, yeah, I, I did try Dead Space 2, but it just didn't catch me. I, I played for the first area and I was just like, I'm not in the mood for this yeah, kind of game. Absolutely. And and never went bad, but you know, Dead Space One is one of my all-time favourite games. Oh, so yeah. it's it is it is strange, but it just caught me at a wrong time in in my gaming. Um, I guess my gaming habits at that at that yeah, point. We totally, uh, but, your mood's gonna your your emotions are gonna be uh, affecting what what you feel like playing and stuff, aren't they? But but what I have done this, I mean, I I feel like I've I've missed out on some stellar titles this mm. year, and a lot of that I can actually put down to me um, getting involved in in a few achievement communities. Right. Um, you know, I've mentioned previously on, on other places, but you know, there's a, a great podcast called the Cheap Hound mm-hmm. Podcast, um, and you know, they they do a you know do a stellar show over there, and they use true achievements, and you know, obviously I, I know Rich from True Achievements, and he's a great guy, so you know, I have a, a real big funness for that site and spend a lot of time on there in, within that community. But this year, I, I kind of got sucked into um, the more kind of I would say the, the sordid side of achievements, <laughs> like going very much for the the easy one case. Right. Um, which is odd because I actually played. I've probably played more um, new IPs or you know IPs that are, are <laughs> I in particular you do. because yeah, yeah. because you know I mean I've been playing stuff like you know Rio and Captain America mm. and you know Big Game Hunters and the Darkness of Days. Like I mean none of these are particularly good games. Actually, Captain America was okay, but it was odd because I I was actually using those as palate cleansers for you know a marathon session with A Noir you know if I went off and, and played Captain America for you know something like six hours long but I got to kind of in, you know enjoy this this set experience and you know, I got my thousand points at the end of it but it was a very set experience sorry one second the dog's trying to get in the door <laughs> I wonder what that noise is Unlocked door. <coughs> Alright, hopefully you'll be quiet. Alright, where was I? Cat playing playing shit games for points. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America. Yes, I mean so some people would say, well you just played, you know, shit games for points, but <laughs> <laughs> um 
and and there, there's some truth to that but you know being a part of the community is is a huge and important thing i think pretty much for everybody and you know those shit points do actually turn into interesting conversations to be had on different forums so you know each to their own i guess um at the same time i did use my my you know my love of achievements you know yes it, i boosted my score up at you know probably 15 20k by just playing shit games but um or games that were off the beaten track, should we just say? But um, you know, I, I did also use achievements this year just you know to really you know, cane and rinse the uh, the stuff that I've mm. been you know that, are, that have made it to my top fives. So I don't feel bad about it. But what I one of the reasons for for doing this podcast in particular is that um I feel like my my taste this year have really got narrow. Like you know I used to I used to play a lot of variety, the big variety of stuff. Uh, and I, you know, to some people, they would s- still say I do. I mean, I'm looking at my list of stuff I played this year, and and it is pretty huge. Mm. Um, but I, you know, I, I feel like I am falling into a trap of the same old third person shooters and and you know There's first person shooters and you know and um, taking less risks on you know the the the, the stuff on mm. the, the download scene. Um, and I don't entirely think that's just just down to achievements. I think that's just that's quite narrow minded. But I think. As as somebody like me, my time is at a premium. Yeah. Um, you know, I, sometimes you know, a, an easy one k was just comfort food uh, for gaming, um, and it was something I was good at, and something you could just come in and go, "Here we go, this done is that." The, the other, this I've never understood, and this is less about 2011 and more about that that whole side of the sordid side of gaming is that I could never understand if like I I, I enjoy achievements as I've said before I enjoy achievements that enhance the experience and if they're well thought out and they ask you to do interesting things mm-hmm. or challenge but the idea of gamer score for the sake of gamer score I just simply do not understand um the only game I've played purely for gamer score was Doritos Dash of Destruction and that was only because it was free and it took about 5 minutes um but I'm still not proud of it uh I yeah, but, I, I, mean, as- I don't understand how you can when you have got precious gaming time why you would waste it on a mediocre licensed platformer when you could be playing some awesome game from your backlog i just don't get it yeah that's true <laughs> well i mean this is the i wouldn't say this is the realization year um because i'm yeah you know, i'm strongly proud of of my game score and um you know and I'm, as i said the community that i've built around and i've met some absolutely fantastic mm. friends through true achievements um that you know i'm not going to say that what i've done for the last you know how many ever many years is has really, you know, has, has been a waste because it hasn't. No. Because I, I, I still say there's a lot of games out there that I've tried that I would never have tried purely because, you know, the achievements have been enticing sure. and have actually been pretty good games. Um, and I actually feel like I've got a broader taste than a lot of people because I'm willing to try um, stuff that most people would just go, oh, that's rubbish, whatever. Um, but this year in particular, just to bring it to 2011, this year in particular, I, you know, I, I went out my way for it and... You know, I, I think I ended up with fifty-two thousand points this year. <laughs> That's nearly my whole gamer score. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and I, I, I did feel at the end of it like I, I need to. This is a cycle I need to break out of because, um, you know, within that scene, games do start to feel really ir- 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 iterative. <laughs> iterative. Iterative. Yeah. Um, iterative. Mm. Um, because obviously, you know, they only have a year to eighteen months to produce these titles. So nine times out of ten, they're not going to go well out their way. Yeah. But um. I mean, I, I want to probably start to to highlight some of the stuff that I have actually really enjoyed this year. Please do, um, yes. Um, it, when, when, as we've said before, you know, I, we don't really want to do a game of the year show like this wins this best category and this wins this best category. But yeah. it would be remiss of us to to not say, you know, I mean, I've jotted personal down five titles rather than definitive. Yeah, my personal, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and these don't have numbers attached to them. They're just five games that I've picked out on my list this year that I, I some have been pleasantly surprised by. Um, some have lived probably up to my expectations. Um, and so in no real particular order. Um, Crisis 2. Hmm. Um, a sequel. Let me just count. One, two, three, four. Yep, pretty much the mostly sequels. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Crisis 2 is a really... Um, it's an interesting one for me because I, I haven't actually played Crisis 1, so um, I can't put it in, in context against a lot of the complaints a lot of people had from the PC version. Um, you know, those would be that it, you know, it narrows down its focus. Um, what I can uh, give perspective on is somebody that's, that's pretty much just played um, P- console shooters mm. their entire life. Um, and Crisis 2 done, does a lot different than a lot of other um, first-person shooters there. It, it's basis premises. I mean, the, the story's a bit, you know, the aliens invade mm. and yeah, well, yeah, it, it's not terrible. It's not great either. And this is not, you know, this is almost anti Kane and Rince where we're not going to, you know, I'm not going to go deep into you know, every single aspect of this, but what it does do really well, it does um, the environment, the layout of the environment, the exploring around of, you know, how can I attack the situation? So you have this, the, the suit called the nano suit and it has the ability to, to basically speed, stealth or strength. And you use that suit in different combat situations. Um, but the, the play environments are really large. So they may, may not be just crisis large that gives you a whole map that you can wander around and, and tackle any situation. But they do give you a very large play environment. You know, yes, there's walls there. But sometimes walls are a good thing. You don't always have to have these huge open arenas just to enjoy yourself in, in, in these kind of, I guess, open combat type games. Um, the best aspect of that suit, though, always came down to the stealth. Uh, wherever possible, you could stealth walk around. Um, the people that have been you know, in other, any other way would be shooting at you. I mean, you can walk in there and just put your armor up. Um, and, you know, you can have that, you know, first person shooter um, feel to it. Or you can use it as almost like a hitman type game. And it delivered really well on that, on that feeling of I can explore the environment, ta- take tactical decisions. And actually, you know, sometimes... How often do you see this in games and let alone first person shooters? You can walk for the entirety of a play area and not actually engage in combat. It's it felt new, it felt fresh, um, and for a sequel of a game that, you know, is beloved by some but also has its its issues. I mean I'm I'm gonna go back and play Crisis One. I mean have it downloaded on the three sixty now. Mm-hmm. Um it felt different enough from every other first person shooter I played this year to actually I think it was the best first person shooter I played. Mm. And that's from playing at Eurogame where it was awful in every way, shape and form. Um, and it looked, I mean, yes, it looks, it looks pretty. And, and the multiplayer was really, really good. It's a multiplayer that nobody really yeah, played. I, I, don't think. I played the single player through, but I didn't play the multiplayer. Yeah. And it's the multiplayer. I mean, I put a number of hours. I know um, Carl on this, on this show, he, you know, he put hundreds of hours mm. into it. Uh, it was really entertaining, really fun. Um, so if you haven't played Crisis 2, it really does get my seal of approval this year. Um, so you you say you played it. So it's in about uh, it's it's probably in my top twenty to twenty five of the year. I thought it I thought it was bad. good, um, but I don't. It wasn't it wasn't outstanding in any particular area. But certainly of the shooters I played, it, at least it was trying to do a few things a little bit differently. So, well, I, I applaud it. Maybe I applaud it more than the most for for actually taking a risk within this pretty stale genre. Um. Portal 2. <laughs> yes, also on my list. With, with, yeah, this, so, so, yeah, I mean, you lead off with Portal 2 then. Yeah, let's exchange these. Yeah, uh, this would be in my personal top 10 probably of the year. Um, 
it was uh, it was concerning uh, how they were going to do a Portal Two. Um, I know the story goes that they they at Valve were considering not even having the portal gun and it being all about the uh, gels, the various gels and things like that. Um, and yeah, that wouldn't have been right. And I don't even, even know if that's true, but the combination of the new elements uh, and, and the portals was just brilliant. Um, not so enamored with the Stephen Merchant character as some people seem to be, uh, just seem to be the Stephen Merchant character. Um, <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> you see, but I mean, I'm. I like that. Um, it was okay, I, uh, and he seems well, like the, a very nice chap. But um, I preferred. I was. I was more into the the, the history of uh, aperture science and the Cave Johnson stuff. That was all brilliant. Well, what I will say is, games are really funny. Um, yes, many have tried. Pretty much most of them have failed. Yes. Um, Portal Two. Had me laughing, and I I can't really remember that from many other games. I, I remember having a good chuckle with Dragon Age because there was ridiculous sexual uh, connotations with that game, but that's for a different she was reason. Other, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I enjoyed the Steve Merchant character. I think he was the, a, a great addition. And, and when you've got Gladys as you know this, well, she she does such a great job in the first one. It, it was very hard to imagine how you know she would in, implement herself within this. And they do a great job of, uh, I suppose we're in spoiler territory, so I'll try to, yeah, a, a cane and rinse, I guess. Yep, spoil yeah, spoil anything. We, uh, when she turns into a potato, I found that kind of funny. Um, oh, and the fact that, that she fun. becomes, yeah, she becomes uh, your, your companion, your ally uh, at one point is, I think, yeah, was some a, good twists. a stroke of genius. Yeah. Um, also, I love games where they test, they test me as a gamer. Um, Although the, the puzzles, you could argue, are just find the, the dot on the environment where one portal will stick to the other, you could narrow down pretty much every single game to shoot the guy in the face or jump onto that platform. Um, I, it, it's a game that made me feel smart. So few games ever make anyone feel mm. smart. It's a game that I felt okay about playing in front of um, you know, my in-laws <laughs> when they came round. Um, and they actually got involved in it. Mm. Um, you know, they didn't understand the, the story, but they tried to help out in the puzzles. And you know, there's there's few and far between games that, that actually I was, happens. It's, I was militant about not looking up the solutions same to anything, here, yeah. uh, and that goes for the co-op game as well, which uh, I played through with Darren Foreman of Kane and Rince as well uh, over the period of a day, basically. Um, yeah, I didn't didn't go for any hints or internet walkthroughs or Twitter no, or anything and, and I'm so pleased that I didn't um, you, know, it, it, you have those moments where you're like I just Jesus Christ but very rarely did I, I feel stressed I, I felt like well there, there is something in this environment that I'm not seeing and I, I adore games that put me in a world where I lose myself in it because I'm concentrating so hard um, so you know it, it's, it's well written I mean it's, it feels very foul unfortunately you know, some people that turns them off but you know, Valve are great game designers and it was beautifully designed. I love the gel stuff. I really got into that. Um, and the co-op was absolutely hilarious. And, you know, if two portals was complex enough, when you add to four and the personal touch of actually somebody in the same room, uh, it's, it's, you know, that much more better. So Absolutely. Adored. Absolutely adored that game. Um, Skyrim. It's... <laughs> 
it's a difficult this one because you know if you you've had that experience where you've had the the break the, yeah. the unplayable game jay's had that experience where it's the unplayable game um i haven't i've had bugs don't get oh, me wrong yes. i've had bugs in that there game there were always um, going to be some bugs but uh, there yes. are some bugs which we can tolerate given the scope and ambition of the game and there are others yeah which are unforgivable, well, but clearly not, because rather than not forgive them, I went and bought another copy of the game. So It, it is strange, isn't it? Because I lost 10 hours of play, um, and this is on the free did you? run. How where did you? I did. How did you manage that with four um, rolling saves? Yeah, yeah. well, the, the game basically glitched where one of my companions, the, the game thought that he, he became a guard that was chasing me through the environment. Oh, I hadn't actually realized this for a long time because he was just a companion. Um, so I, I did a number of quests for this guy because it was, uh, this was in the Companions Guild. It was meant to be with me. Um, and I pretty much finished the entirety of the quest line. And I thought something was awry about five hours before I realized what had happened. But I kind of just thought, well, if I, if I go with it, then it will fix itself. Unfortunately, it didn't. And uh, you know, I, I finished the quest line. I got the achievement. And then... Um, I, the bug basically meant that I couldn't travel, fast travel anywhere, and I couldn't alter the day or night cycle. So, Eesh. because it, it, the, it, the game thought he was a, of course, a, a soldier. Yes, you cannot was do these me. things while you are in combat. Under pursuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so, anyway, so th- besides that, besides those horrendous bugs, mm. because the PS3 one where the game becomes unplayable yeah. after 60 so hours, I, I for lost, some people, not I everybody, but some people. Hours, so. I haven't got that um, much sympathy for you. <laughs> and, what I, and what I will say, that after eight, about 80 hours, I feel like my game in Skyrim is starting to become a little bit janky all over the place. But, you know, I, I'm going to put that down to I've probably broken a lot of stuff and there's a lot of dead bodies. But um, I, th- I don't think Skyrim is the best game of all time. Um, I, I actually, I agree with a lot. There, there is plenty of issues. I think the combat could be a lot better. Um, in fact, you know, I, I, I've specced all the way down in the mage role and I found myself actually uh, of recent just now going with um, shield and um, mace mm. because it just it didn't you know even though I'm pretty much fully powered out as a mage it it wasn't any more interesting than just hitting people over the head and hitting people over the head was faster so I ended up just going with hitting people over the head yeah. so I don't think the combat's anything to write home about um, I don't think the questing is anything to write home about if anything um, anybody that thinks they don't like um, MMOs. And they like Skyrim. You probably will like MMOs because they share so many traits. It's not actually funny. <laughs> At times, I felt like I'd just been playing World of Warcraft. Mm. Um, you know, bar picking up wolf pelts, you are doing the same kind of questing within you can those pick games. Up wolf pelts. You can, you can, you can kill wolves and pick up pelts. Yeah. So if it's not the questing, and if it's not the, you know, if it's got bugs and it's not the combat, what is it? See previous statement about Portal Two and filling an environment. Yeah. Few games have ever grasped me in the way that Skyrim has, where I just want to be in Skyrim. Yeah, exactly. Like, although you know the the combat feels right, even the you know the questing feels like okay, well, I'm just doing the same thing over and over mm. again, and it's maybe for different factions, but it is the same thing over and over again. I kind of just enjoy it. It's like it's it's an odd one because you can see all these flaws, but being in that world and ticking off those boxes, and one thing I actually did find when I couldn't fast travel, I walked everywhere. And like I was exploring all these new places, and I was like, actually, this is okay. I'm 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 doing more exploring than I've ever done before. And I I I love Skyrim for pretty much that reason alone, which is 
just being within that environment, being immersed in there, wanting to spend 10 hours a day on my holiday, just sitting there and soaking in the atmosphere. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, and it does that better than anything I've played this year, pretty much. And but it's not my game of the year and we're not going to give game of the year, but it doesn't hit my game of the year because of all those other issues. And one day we will do a podcast on it, I'm sure. Mm. So, but I think it's better than Oblivion. <laughs> Put that out there. Um, better than Oblivion. One I've done re- Did you say? I think so. Yeah, so I, yeah I, or, I, or I remember Oblivion is doing the gates and God. Oh, yeah. No, so I, I, I keep hearing um, as much as I should be as pissed off with Skyrim as anyone, given my mm-hmm. PS3 experience. I, I'm now sort of with interest and some dismay watching and listening to the inevitable backlash that uh, Skyrim isn't as good as Oblivion or even Morrowind. And, but then a lot of people said that Oblivion wasn't as good as Morrowind. But then when people are saying it's like not the best game in the series, have they actually played Arena and Daggerfall, I wonder? Um, mm. uh, yeah, I think it's a remarkable game. And, and exactly as you say, you know, it, there, are, there are issues. Um, I quite enjoyed the combat for... Well, compared to Oblivion's, again, I think it's quite a big improvement. There's a lot less. Oh, it's huge improvement. Less, that, yeah. Sort of just endless uh, attritional running away, and the animations do add a lot. Um, uh, there are problems with the fact that although the voice acting is better and there are more voice actors, there still aren't enough, and it's still not good enough. Um, but yeah, exactly. It's rather like saying that you know there's no point to it. To me, is rather like saying that you know uh, there's no point in going for a walk in the country. It's all about seeing what's over Every the next game, hill you could it? do that yeah it's even even on the uh, poor lowly 360 it is so stunningly beautiful at times that uh, mm-hmm. yeah exactly as you say i'm just happy to be so much of that game what's good about that game is in your imagination if you have the kind of imagination if you if you're the kind of kid who used to when your mum took you on rambles over the hills you used to pretend that you were an adventurer and you were potentially being attacked by orcs or whatever at any point um, and you were carrying a stick that was your sword and you used to think about huddling up at night around a little fire in the mud, um, the game will resonate for you, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it hit... It's kind of hit some of the levels that I experienced with World of Warcraft, and I don't say that lightly. And, you know, because, you know, there, there is... Although that what you're doing in is pretty much the same as every single time, you know, exploring going from one side of the world to the other um and having that experience of doing that exploration is is you know is a real important thing i think to gaming and i i think you know there's so much that can be improved with with um skyrim or the, the series elder scroll oh, series yeah. and you know but uh, they can keep as trying, a template as far as i'm concerned they can keep yeah. making more they're getting better yeah getting exactly closer. i will uh, keep playing what i what i will say is, is now I've played it for this long, I, I do think Fallout is a better game. Mm. Um, mm. I don't, I, actually, I could do with the way that the entirety of the VAT system, but um, I just found, I kind of, I remember back to quests that I enjoyed in Fallout that much more. And I remember the actual, mm. kind of the opening environment, uh, maybe it's just because it was a bit easier to, to I navigate. I prefer the land of Skyrim too. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> this is, this is, uh, I, I, I will put, I, will, well, I guess I might put Bastion here, but we've already done that show. so. Oh, yeah, but we've already done this show. Cool. One, one of my highlights of this year is trying out Shadow of the Colossus for the first mm. time. I know we've done this show, uh, and I know it's technically not this game this year, but for many, it will be the first time they tried it. Um, and it, it's, we've done the show so that I won't go in-depth with it. It was a, a real eye-opening experience about you know, what games can be, given they're you know, taking away the restraints of sometimes of those budgets. Um, a little bit worried about Last Guardian, but, you know, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. 
Um, and the last one, which is a real late entry. Now, actually, when I was, I've been talking about it a lot on Twitter recently. Um, I think I know what it's going to be. That, yeah, and I, and I thought, actually, does it fit within my top 10? But then I broke down a lot of the stuff I've played this year, and it, I, I realised I absolutely adore Rayman Origins. Mm. Um, it hasn't hit many people's lists because it, it's come out. Wait, no, it came out at the right time, but nobody played it, <laughs> basically. It feels like everyone's playing it now because it, it yeah. went down to bargain basement uh, yeah. levels. I went, and, I went and got a copy when it went to £18 in-game. I've That's had one ridiculous. session of it. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's now been put back on the shelf. And it's one of those... This is one of those times where having started a game and having very deliberately put it aside, it's really nice because it's a thing that I've got on my shelf that I mm-hmm. just know that I'm fully looking forward to because I know I'm going to thoroughly enjoy everything about it. Yeah, I'm. I'm not going to go too in depth. I think it's probably going to end up on being a, on a Kanerant show in the not. Yes, distant it's been future. added to the uh, to the list. Um, so I'm not going to break it down because you know it's pretty fresh in my mind, and I could I could highlight its its pluses and its minus. But what I will say is that if anybody that's been seeking one of those, you know, a, a good old fashioned 2D platformer, that you should seek out Rayman Origins. It's put Rayman to one side for a second because yeah, I, he's, you know, he's, as a character. I like I like Rayman. I'm, I'm a self-confessed Rayman fan. You don't Rayman even have to fan. play as Rayman in this, which is good. You don't, no. And but I did because I I like the character, and you know I'm a big fan I don't of hate Rayman. Him. He's just Hoodlum Havoc was he's brilliant. It's just, uh, just nothing. No, see, Doesn't... the old 3D games need to make a return. And even after playing this one, I was going, "Give me the 3D Rayman," because they had some of the best platforming games out there. Well, in 64 but, and Dreamcast sort of era. Uh, Dreamcast one was, right. was incredible. Yeah, mm. but that's not what we got here. What we got here is um, old school. Beautiful 2D drawn old school. Um, it it could be Rayman. It, it was within that universe, but really it could be anything. There's many Rayman characters that, that appear mm. in there, like Glue Box. You know the the standard fare if you know who Rayman is. But the the world that he inhabits could be anywhere that is just a colourful dream of your imagination. Um, I think the game starts off slow. I've, I've made my points very clear on Twitter about this. I, I think you know the first six hours of that game feel feel good when you're playing it, but after you've played this this latter half of that game. Oh, well, that makes me um, more excited. Yeah, the, 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 it's an odd one. As a, as a developer, they're, they're obviously like, well, we don't want to, you know, freak people out when they first come into it because the game gets quite hard. Yes, I've the heard end. this. But with, with the hardness, only becomes because they take risk with their level design. Um, it feels, a, the game feels a little bit by the numbers um, for the first six hours mm-hmm. and then it, it goes off the rails um, in a good way. Um, I guess I was stages. just enjoying the fact that the controls are tight and it looks and yeah. sounds absolutely gorgeous. It's, I mean, it. I've not played Super Meat Boy, but oh, um, I know... That um, is a good game. Yes, Darren um, or, or Desmond... Come um, and watch the quick rinse on our blog. Yes, he he, um, he he says it has those same traits and... you got to play that. A sign, you got to play Yeah, some. a sign of a good game is when you die for the 100th time, and I'm not exaggerating, the 100th time in a level that you don't throw the controller to one side, mm. you do this thing that I haven't done in years, which is you stamp your feet on the ground mm. like a little kid and you press start yeah. again and you go and it's got instantaneous restarts and you do it and then you do it and you do it until you beat that level. And you know, I went out my way to pretty much collect most stuff. I haven't done, I don't like speed runs. I haven't got the 1K because the speed runs are annoying. <laughs> they look tough. Yeah, I noticed that. Yes, Even at the but, start, they look quite tricky. Graphically, the music is a joy to behold. Um, I've, I've got the special edition, so I've got the CD, yes. and uh, it's, it's really Thank great. Thank you for my copy. Um, yeah, no worries. Um, 
I just I, I think it's a really charming game and I don't think many people are going to play it but you should it's cheap enjoy it and enjoy just some old school platforming because it, it made me realize why I actually really enjoy just just good old-fashioned gaming um taxing those older uh, muscle memory skills and uh, you know studying the pixel perfect environment it's great so go go play that so that yeah that would be my my pick of what I've played this okay. year okay well, uh, yeah, some of mine the same, and some of them we've done shows on. Bastion would be one. Uh, please go and listen to our Kane and Rins episode uh, issue on Bastion. Dead Space 2 would be another up there somewhere. Uh, I think returning to it for the Kane and Rince podcast made me realise that I'd probably underrated it a little on first playing. I'm, I'm going to play that next year. Oh, this I, year think, now. I think you'll enjoy it. It's very hard not to enjoy it on some level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did, as I said, I had qualms about moving away from the silent protagonist because I, I actually really enjoy silent protagonists in games. I, for me, personally, it helps me immerse, but uh, the actual slickness and everything in that game is remarkable. Uh, Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition continues to uh, get put in every now and again. Obviously, I'm including that because the Arcade Edition came out this year, as did the comprehensive version 2012 patch, which came out in December. Uh I'm no expert. I've been playing Street Fighter badly for 20 years now, but I still absolutely love it. And the Arcade Edition was another sort of significant uh, enhancement to an already great package. Um, Joe Danger, Special Edition. Now, this, this came out in 2010 on PlayStation Network. It was originally going to be coming out on both platforms at a similar time, but in the end, uh, Hello Games went away and added a whole load of stuff and released it about a year and a bit later on XBLA. Um, it's one of the most impeccably designed games, full stop. It <laughs> rivals Nintendo's finest output in terms of control, precision, and design, addictiveness. Uh, people sometimes dismiss it incorrectly as a kind of cutesy trials game but in fact it's and i've said this to anyone who'll listen it's more like a cross between unirally if you remember that from the snes dma design uh former you know who uh who became rockstar uh excite bike kickstart and tony hawk's pro skater and there's also some sonic the hedgehog in there it's more it's more a platform game than it is a bike game uh but it has a fantastic scoring system and has tons and tons of levels, a level editor, and it's uh, absolute steal at £10. I would happily have paid full price for a boxed copy of this game. I know not everyone would feel the same, but I genuinely believe it's of that quality. Now, here's one, another more classic platforming. Here's one that we got early this year. America had it the year before, but Kirby's Epic Yarn is mm-hmm. one of the most gorgeous, lovable video games in the history of gorgeous, lovable video games. Um, it's very easy. It's like falling off a log. Um, but it's so charming, um, so nicely designed, so sweet, so inventive, so clever. Uh, it's absolutely an essential play, I think. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put one of those... Uh, Iterative sequels in. I'm going I'm, I'm to say Batman <laughs> Arkham City uh, is still a really damn fine game. Um, I know some people are sort of disappointed because they feel that it wasn't 
an improvement on the excellent Arkham Asylum, and I can I can understand that. I see where they're coming from, but I think the best way to think of it is. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll grant you that the story isn't as, as tight and interesting, but if you think of it more as a sort of Batman does Assassin's Creed rather than Batman does Metroidvania, it kind of makes a lot more sense. And the combat is improved on the first game for me, uh, which was good anyway, so uh, I just had an enormous amount of fun uh, beating up bugs. Um, and FIFA 12... Sorry, but there it is. Uh, it's I've been playing football games since they invented football video games. Since they were, since it was basically pong with two bats instead of one, and they called it soccer on on a grandstand black and white home entertainment system. Uh, I've played virtually every incarnation of football video game. There's been give or take a few, and uh, this is the best one. I, it's weird with FIFA 12 this year. I feel like they've taken ten steps forward. But also tripped over their new animation system, kind of. It, it's it's odd. I think like it it feels next year. FIFA, Maybe. Are they going to call it thirteen? FIFA <laughs> really? thirteen. Unlucky for some. FIFA thirteen. Uh, um, I I feel like that's going to be the game that FIFA twelve wants to my be. My feeling um, about the animation is that for every one moment of comedy you get from the impact system, you get about six thousand moments of realism. So I'm happy to tolerate the mm. the odd comedy moment and actually they patched out quite a few of them there were a few things that you could do back in october when the game came out that can't happen now so uh i probably apart from skyrim fifa is the game that i've put more hours into than anything else uh the online seasons mode is just genius and has eradicated quitting and only ever playing against people who have picked barcelona so yeah it's uh it's just superb still not still People not perfect still <laughs> but it's as it's as close as anyone's got so far well i, I think there's a, a a wide a range of games there if you haven't played any of those we recommend you probably play all of them so yeah definitely i mean i i, I want to play kirby kirby's on my list of things to do this year yeah i would like i would um, like us to do an episode on kirby's epic happen. yarn yeah. uh we are now at the point where i i received skyward sword for christmas i haven't played nearly mm-hmm. enough of it yet to comment i'm still in the slow start era but I think we are now obviously at the very tail end of worthwhile Wii releases. But um, Epic Yarn is a, a, a fitting send off. And I know we, we, we're running out of time. So, you know, we, there, there, is, there was one game because I, I was looking at stuff that's coming out uh, in the future. And um, I realized um, Miss Walker Entertainment is uh, mm. recoming, uh, doing another game. And that's on the Wii. It's called The, the Last Story. Yeah, that's it's right, another yeah. RPG. Yeah. And I, I, I agree dearly love Lost Odyssey. Mm, um, so okay. I'm, I'm really interested in so I, the, the Wii may get you know, after Skyward Sword, it may get broken out again for that one game in particular anyway. And mm. I still need to play Xenoblade. So uh, yeah. In fact, it's just yeah, been, been playing the Wii's that. just been moved <laughs> A lot. back into the lounge. Uh, Tony yeah, wants to um, play Super Mario Galaxy finally. So Obviously next year we're not, we're not getting new consoles to a degree. We are getting the Vita. I'm, I'm interested to see how that's going to to yeah. do um, looking forward to that the 3DS has obviously been out now uh, is, is the Wii U is the Wii U out next year who knows maybe it, it was meant to be but who knows um, this is just a wild speculation corner isn't it so uh, it is really and so but there is I think if I'm if I'm excited about one other game mm-hmm. next year it's Bio, Bioshock Infinite yes I, I, the only thing that worries me is that it, 
it's have more hype than any other game I can really think of. And it, for a series which, you know, I, I think secrecy is a, a big part of that. I, I, I just wonder whether the, you know, the hype is going to you know, hurt it rather yeah. than uh, you know, benefit. But, you yeah, know, money has obviously been thrown at it, which is a good thing, it's, I guess. Yeah, maybe. I think it's in safe hands. I think uh, another topic we may do on a podcast at some point is should you ever play demos or trials? Because the amount of times this year where people have said, oh, I tried the demo and it was rubbish of a game that I know is brilliant because I played the whole thing is starting to get beyond a joke. But having said that, uh, the last really, really great demo that I played was Bioshock 1. And um, Mm -hmm. I played through that demo about seven or eight times and showed people. I showed people who I don't even normally bore with video games just saying, look at this. This is going to be incredible. And, uh, and, and it pretty much was. Oh, we're, we're, we're hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I did do a list of lots of stuff that's coming out the year, but I, I think you know, people that listen to Kane and Rince are, are, are aware of what is coming out next year. But um, there's, there's a lot of new IPs actually hitting next year. More so, seems like yes. A, yeah. yeah. Um, some big, pretty big, yeah. I think because once you get to free, it's a, it's a tough decision, you know. Well, I, I guess a lot of the IPs that started on this generation have actually hit free. So, you know, unless you're going to get the twos, which need to new, be new IPs from last year, um, you, yeah, I suppose. Um, so uh, there seems to be more risks being taken this year. Um, which, yeah, let's, let's hope. And let's just hope The Last Guardian eventually makes it out. And Journey. I'm very hopeful for Journey. Oh, God. Yeah, I think the, the PS3 is going to have a good year. Didn't we say that every year? Yeah. But, you know, it, it would seem that a lot of their, their first-party titles are finally going to hit the limelight now. So. And Fez. Fez, yes, Fez. That looks superb. Interested to see if Last of Us from Naughty Dog manages to come out. But uh, I mean, there's there's big games like Mass Effect 3 and see a lot of Max Payne 3 and Ninja Gaiden 3 and Borderlands 2 and Diablo 3. The frees are there. Yeah, um, I suppose they are. Yeah. Yeah, Mass Effect I can deal with. I just hope that it doesn't suffer from the malaise that uh, Dragon Age 2 did. But Halo 4, return of that franchise Mm. on the new developments. Mm. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, well, but I'm I'm kind of interested just because, yeah, will they take it in a new direction? I'm going to guess not, mm. but we'll see. But we're going to be talking about Halo in, in, in not too distant yes, future. Yes, we're going to so. be doing a podcast in a three weeks' time on Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. I'm currently trying to play it on Legendary, but I'm already hitting difficulty spikes on, on level two, just as I did that is pretty hard. when I first played it, uh, even though I, yeah. I did reach on Legendary on my own last year, but uh, Combat Evolved still seems to be that little bit tougher, even though you can carry more grenades than you used to be able to, I think, unless I'm imagining it. Well, we could play, I mean, we could play Combat Evolved in co-op. I was going to suggest and that. And do this, there's, they're not cheating trick at all with one person slightly hanging back while the other person goes into the floor. I reckon, but, I don't yeah. think we'd need to cheat to complete it between, like me, you and Carl, we're all experienced Halo players. Yeah. I reckon we could just, you know, play it properly and get through it. Well, it's, it's a date then. So. Yeah. Um, so uh, next week we have our show with uh, the contributors. Similarly, not, they were recorded separately talking about their highlights and lowlights of 2011. I assume I haven't actually heard them, so hopefully they'll, they'll be with you. If they've done their job. If you don't hear it next week, then they didn't do yeah. the job very well. Yeah, they uh, suck. So. <laughs> no, it's, uh, we would have loved to do everybody in the show. I mean, Jay was meant to be here, but he, he's gone down with a yeah, cold. Yeah, we should say like, that. Get well soon, Jay. So, 
Yeah, uh, it apparently is his. According to his words, my voice is sore and I've gone down with a cold because everybody on Battlefield 3 is beep, 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 Yeah, beep, yeah. Beep, beep. <laughs> shouting okay. at something about shouting at fucking idiots on Battlefield <laughs> So, um, yeah. yeah, it's his own fault. So he misses out on this, but um, maybe he can do his 10 minutes. You know, segment. Jay, he probably wouldn't have had any strong opinions about anything anyway, so. <laughs> we know Jay that he did. Yeah. But, um, so but yes. you can find us at, uh, of course, canarince.com. That's where our blog is. And uh, you should also check out Darren Desmond Gargett's. Is it Gargett or Gargett? We still haven't established. I think it's Gargett. I mean, I, I, I'm more than happy to call him Gargett. Gargett. Yeah, why not? I'm sure that's what he got called <laughs> at school. Um, he's been doing a series of very entertaining videos for us, the Quick Rinse series, uh, where for 15 to 20 minutes he plays a game and talks to you about it in his very engaging and affable manner. Uh, mm-hmm. The most recent of which was Super Meat Boy, but we've also had uh, Battlefield 3 and... Skyrim. Yeah, Skyrim. And uh, that... Sonic that, Generations. Um, so, the Sonic Generation has got a lot of hype because people are like, oh, this game actually looks yep. good. Most people just Thanks to Tom um, of our community for kindly buying me a copy on Steam. I now have a wired Xbox 360 controller so I can play arcade-style games on my PC. Counter-Strike is the other one, isn't it? Yeah, um, so check actually, those that, out. That, you know, that is one thing I, I'm, I'm going to do this year. I am going to build a, a, a gaming-worthy rig um, and, and experience the Steam, Steam love because... There's, there's so many games there on are. there that, you know, and the, the just sales so are just easy ridiculous. to access. I'm getting quite a large yes, library no. together, but um, my PC isn't still isn't uh, state of the art, so it does struggle at high ends with certain things. But overall, it's it's it works, so that's an improvement. Um, so yes, Darren's quick rinse. You can either just go to canerinse.com and find them that way, or you can go and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is called Cane and Rinse. Funnily enough. We are part of the Character Select Network. Uh, our forum is at characterselect.net slash forum. Tony, you need to come and join in the forum chat. <sighs> Once again, time. Yeah, I know, time. Mind you, uh, he says time after putting 90 hours in Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. Just one of those hours. Just, just one of those hours. Public. Um, I did, on Twitter. I know I love Twitter yeah, so much. Yeah, I like Twitter. Um, God. Yes, well, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, yeah, there we at go. Kane and Rince, I am, uh, if you like, we don't normally give this out, but if you don't know, I am at Ratso Albion, R-A-T-S-O-A-L-B-I-O-N. And Tony? Uh, Ghost World 80. So at 80 because Ghost World apparently is taken by some spam, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. So. You can email us at caneandrince at gmail.com. And now this may become more useful in future mm-hmm. times. Uh, we still haven't finalized everything, but uh, we are considering some kind of correspondence-based feature, um, as obviously you, as a collection of human beings, didn't want to leave us answer phone messages. So They just want to hear our voices. They don't yeah, want to hear we their own, on that one. Uh, yes. so That's no problem. Uh, you can like our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash canerinse. And naturally, this being a podcast, your iTunes subscriptions, that's the most wonderful thing, along with reviews and ratings, all very welcome. Uh, Thanks to recent reviewers who have added some kind words, which encourages us to keep going, doing what we're doing. Yes, and I believe it's it's going to be a great year for Canaris. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. We have ideas, we have games, we have plenty to play, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, I hope you, you, I was going to say, I hope you will join us in the new year. You're already there, but, you know, hopefully you join us for the rest of this year. 
Happy New Year, mm. indeed. Mm. Okay, um, so from Tony and me, that's it for this week, and uh, we will be back in two or three weeks' time. Something like that. A couple of weeks. Yes. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.